find your why behind doing a triathlon or a race or anything that you do in life. Because if you don't know the reason behind what you're doing, then it's hard to wake up in the morning to go do that. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Two Fit Podcast, hosted by the Two Fit guys, Jake and Josh. Now, Two Fit, by definition, is actively pursuing a state of health and well being beyond perceived limitations. So, if you are looking to push the boundaries of performance mentally, physically, and everywhere in between, then you have come to the right place. On the Two Fit Podcast, we will be interviewing and having fireside chats with renowned experts from doctors and strength and conditioning coaches to athletes and entrepreneurs. Our goal is to extract tools and tricks of the trade that you can implement, whether you're a world-class athlete, weekend warrior, entrepreneur, or grinding out the eight to five, all in order to assist you on your journey to becoming Two Fit. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of the Two Fit Podcast, and today we are honored to be sitting in with Jen Rulon of JenRulon.com. She is a Ironman veteran, and what she specializes in is helping people train for triathlons and Ironmans and incorporate that into their daily life. And she's also a very busy gal, and so this has been a long time coming, and we're, uh, <laughs> we're very excited that we finally get to do this. So, Jen, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, and thanks for being patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show. Be fun. Glad to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, so we normally start out just giving people some some background on you, um, kind of how you got to where where you are today. Sure. I um, so back in 1989. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but uh, I remember sitting on the couch watching the Ironman World Championship at the end in, on NBC. Of the no, I think it was ABC Wide World of Sports back mm-hmm. in the days. And uh, it was the Ironman World Championship. It was Dave Scott and Mark Allen on that final showdown of them running. And these guys are running, you know, under six-minute miles, I think. I mean, it was just an insane, crazy, crazy run. I think they did a 240, something like that. And so when these guys are running, I thought, holy cow, like, that's amazing. And then an hour later, I see a woman cross the finish line. And I thought, oh, well... If a woman can do it, I can do it. So I told my mom, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to do an Ironman triathlon. And I said I was going to do that one. I said I was going to do the one in Hawaii. Um, and then in 2002, before my 30th first, 31st birthday, I did Ironman Wisconsin. And then I did um, eight Ironmans later. Let me rephrase that. Nine Ironmans later. And I've done 10 Ironmans, and I still have not gotten to Hawaii. And I am still trying to um, really try to hone in on that um, the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know my time will come. I know my journey will come. But within, like, within all of that Ironman training, um, I realized that I found the passion to coach athletes to get ready for their first triathlon, their first Ironman, and what I loved 
and what I got a lot of feedback was is how much I enjoyed my journey doing Ironman triathlons and how I was always smiling. And I was like, but it's it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. Like if you don't if you're not smiling of what you're supposed to be doing, then don't do it anymore. And so my my way of teaching these guys is to go into an Ironman injury free and that you're smiling the whole time and that you're you're loving it. You may hate it a few times on that race course because I know I have, but um, for the most part, you love doing what you're doing. So that's what I try to implement in my coaching as well. So you need to teach me how to smile through all the on your lefts. Yes. <laughs> you know, these people on their Tron bicycles, you know, flying by me, getting their butt kicked that's on right. the bike. Yeah. So how long did it take you to, or how long did you prepare for that first one when you were 30? Um, you know, when I said I was going to do that, I was, I think I was 19. So it took me a while. You know, I did a couple like little sprints, you know, I rented a bike. I did my first triathlon on a mountain bike, actually. Um, I didn't really know how to run. I swam. I was a lifeguard. I biked around, um, town, but running wise, I never ran because I always played, um, you know, I was volleyball, basketball, cheerleader, softball, right? So I really didn't have to run um, like you do in a, in a race. So, um, you know, and then I think, I guess it was in 2001 is when I told myself I need to get serious because 2002 was going to be, um, I was going to be turning 31. So that's when I actually hired a coach. And so I actually trained for about a year to get ready for an Iron, the Ironman in 2002, but I did, you know, I did little races, you know, I did sprints, I did Olympics, I worked my way up to it. I did a half Ironman in 2001. And then 2002 is when I did Ironman Wisconsin. But I think, I think I see what I see a lot these days is I will have people reach out to me saying, I want to do an Ironman triathlon. And I already signed up for one. I'm like, that's great. What's your background? Oh, I've never done a triathlon. (laughs) And it just floors me that it's a process you have to work your way up to it so when people come to you like that do you normally say they haven't signed up for one yet do you recommend that same timeline like a year before you actually go for that full yeah triathlon yeah yep and and what i do require is two half ironmans before you do a full Mm. in that you know whether i'm training them whether they're you know self-trained whether they go with another coach I always say you got to do two halves before you do a full. Well, what do you say to the school of thought? Because a- after we did that 70.3, so we, many people Galveston, told us that. Right? Yeah, we did Galveston. It was a blast. Yep. We loved it. Yeah. You know, we were, we were already drinking the Kool-Aid and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Got hooked, I was right? out there with you guys. <laughs> yeah, you were, On your left. <laughs> that was definitely you. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I don't think we saw you at any point. You were just already <laughs> done. But... Um, after we did that, so many people have told us, like, oh, if you've done a half, you can do a full. Like, no problem. It's, it's not that much harder. It's just longer. What, what do you say to that? Um, I disagree with that. Yeah. It's not, it's not double the distance. Um, I think what I see a lot of people say that, it's like, oh, well, it, all you're doing is doubling the distance. But it's the training. It's the time training away from family and friends it's um it's not double um the amount of training it's it it's it's so much more mentally physically emotionally 
nutritionally, I mean, that's a totally different beast as it is doing a full. Yeah, I mean, um, two and a half hours to three hours on the bike feels like a long time. Five plus hours is it really yeah. going to be a long time. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and here's the thing. I don't want to discourage people not to try an Ironman, not to try a half Ironman. But I do encourage people to work your way up to those distance just because it does take a lot of time. Um, you know, you may buy a $5,000 bike and you do your first Ironman. It may be your last time you ever hop on that bike ever again because of the training that you did and how long it took you. So I just encourage people to work their way up to it. Are there certain time goals you like to see on those 70.3s before going to the full that you're like, hey, no. kind of aim for this and then, then you can graduate? No. No, I don't, I don't feel that way. I think you learn so much as an athlete on those half Ironmans. Um, you're just, you're just going to get better and better each as, as you keep trying. At least that's my goal for my athletes is that, you know, I just had a girl do a half Ironman last, uh, yesterday in Syracuse and poor thing. She had to rent a bike because she was traveling. So she didn't have her own bike. You know, she had nutrition. She's like, I felt good. She's like, but you know, I just, I didn't feel as prepared on the bike because it wasn't my bike. And so, so then it's like, okay, well, that's not your priority race. Ironman Arizona is your race, but at least we figured out what we need to work on. And that's her bike. Well, so. let's, let's dive into a little bit of the training aspect of it. And I'm sure, sure you know, when people come to you, there are all different, you know, athletic backgrounds and levels. And so they might start out at different places, but what's that process look like? Oh boy. Um, First of all, I, I will definitely look at the athlete's schedule and their life. Okay. Because what I do specifically, I could probably sell, you know, 10, 15 um, people in a package, say, here's your 20-week program, good luck, mm-hmm. you know, for 200 bucks. And, you know, eh, I just made, you know, whatever, however, 2,000 bucks, you know, or, you know. And so, um, but that's not the type of coach I am because I'm all about customizing your triathlon training program around your life because we all have busy lives. And I hate the word busy. Our lives are very full, right? We have, we may have kids, we may have, you know, a very stressful job. Um, and so I always will talk to the people like, what can you commit to me? Like, what can you give me? Can you give me three swims a week? Can you give me three bikes a week, three runs a week, two lifts? And if they can't, then I say, okay, let's work your way up to that. And so I think what happens is that people don't realize the time commitment it is to an Ironman. And so I try to give them the cold hard facts up front. And so it is, it can be quite a bit um, with a full-time job. I mean, right now I'm coaching an athlete who's an anesthesiologist and his call hours are crazy, Mm. but we work around his schedule. It's like, okay, if he's got call that day, I know I can't give him a swim and a run. You know, he needs to be on the trainer or lifting at the gym where he's right by his phone, things like that. And then is there kind of a baseline test? Do you go out and check their miles or their swims or? <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. Yeah, so I will, um, I generally will do a 1,000-meter baseline uh, swim. 
I'll usually do a 40K time trial. 20 or 40K, 40K is the best in my eyes. And then I'll have athletes do a 5K run. And then usually, you know, and I don't know how, like, background-wise, but, you know, if I take somebody brand new, spanking new, and I test them, and then in six weeks later I test them again, they're, they're going to increase their improvement drastically. Or if you take me and then, you know, I do a baseline and then six weeks later, there's not going to be too much improvement. Um, and so it is nice to see that baseline with athletes is, um, is that swim, that bike, and that run. And then the lifts, I generally don't do a lot of max lift testing. I do about three rep max testing because a lot of triathletes don't lift and they should Mm -hmm. um and they don't get they can't get very comfortable under the bar um like during that heavy training of trap of swim bike and run yeah we'd love to dive into some of that strength aspect for sure uh triathlons in a little while sure yeah what what's kind of the methodology and the guidelines that you have them follow as far as the bike swim and run and lifting so do you have them do only like one long event of those per week and the and the, like so one long swim and it's a shorter run etc cetera, etc cetera. or how, how do you break that up yeah i you know i do something called periodization that a mm-hmm. lot of people know about um it's very well known in the weightlifting world um triathlon world and so what i do is i peak these athletes to get ready for their major race their a race could be an ironman could be half ironman olympic distance whatever they're getting ready for and then yeah i'll break up their week so maybe um they do a lot of two a days i will tell you that right now if you are training for an ironman you will do a lot of two a days and um usually what i'll try to do is that i'll you know for the swim bike and run There's usually a long bike or a long, like you said, a long swim, bike, and run. There's usually generally an easier one, swim, bike, and run. Um, What? And then there's usually like a tempo or interval for the swim, bike, and run. The the great thing about the swimming is that you could do interval work a lot, and the recovery is going to be so much easier than a run and a bike. Um, And then... um, usually whatever their weakest sport is, I will usually add one. So if the runner, if the athlete's a weak runner, then I'll have three swims, three bikes, four runs, two lifts. So it could be a lot. And are any of those on the same day? Like are you swimming, oh, biking, yeah. running on the same day? Yeah. Um, I usually will. So my rule of thumb is two workouts a day. If you can, separate them by six hours. If you can't, then set it up as you would as a triathlon. So, for example, I go swim with the master. I have the athlete go swim with the master's group at noon. And they want to go and they want to do a run, but they don't have time to do a run in the morning and the evening. So do that after. So do the swim first and then the run next. Um, You know, if... If here's a good example, if there's a hard bike uh, one day, so I ha- I'll have them do the hard bike early and then do the lift later on that afternoon. So make sure they get that food in them, they get the rest, they get the recovery from that hard bike. Um, 
I am a big advocate of not putting long long bike on Saturday, long run on Sunday. Hmm. Oh, I hate that concept. Everybody's like, don't you have to train on tired legs? I'm like, if you're training on tired legs, how are you training yourself to go fast? Right. So that's a, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jake and I, we, we uh, kind of built a template of we would do all three disciplines twice a week, basically. One was a sprint or interval. One was mm-hmm. long. And then Sunday was always kind of our long, like, triathlon or mixed day. Okay. Just, we're traveling so much. And then sure. we'd, we'd be lifting three days a week, typically. Good. Um, that were, I mean, and that was for a 70.3. We like yeah. that template. But I could even, I definitely see moving forward how we probably need to up it a little bit more on some, mm-hmm. some of the disciplines. But, yeah. Um, and I think... And I think sometimes, you know, I get a lot of athletes that will say, hey, I've been doing CrossFit for the last five years, or I've been lifting, blah, 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 for the last five years. I want to do Ironman. I'm going to do CrossFit five times a week. You know, going back to that sort of that old school CrossFit endurance or going back to the CrossFit endurance Mm -hmm. world. And it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is just to cross that finish line or to cross the finish line, great. Do CrossFit five times a week, swim, bike, and run you know, fill it in. But if your goal is to do pretty well for a race, um, then you're going to have to swim, bike and run. It's, it's basic exercise physiology. It's specificity. You have to swim, bike and run to do well at races like that. What are your thoughts on (laughs) limiting some of those long, long, Mm -hmm. long routines? So focusing more on the intervals, uh, more on the sprints with, for every discipline, bike, swim, and run, and limiting that time. So the people that are busy, yeah. if you can squeeze in those intervals in 20 to 30 minutes versus going and swimming 1,600 meters in the pool for 45 minutes or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts on doing more of the intervals and less yeah. of the, the long-distance stuff? I think it's going back again to what are your goals? If your goal is just to cross that finish line and say that you've done it, you're half Ironman, you're Ironman athlete. Um, I don't agree with it because I feel that if you are going to be out on the bike for six hours, you need to learn to be at least on the bike for five. And I know other people have different train of thoughts. I realize that, but me, I think I'm an old school triathlon coach who, dr- who, who did CrossFit, drank the Kool-Aid between my, you know, I did. I did four Ironmans. I took a sabbatical. I took an eight-year sabbatical. That's where I found CrossFit. That's where I drank the Kool-Aid. And then what was happening was that I realized I wanted to get back to Ironman. And so I would try to do CrossFit three times a week with swim bikes and runs and I could not maintain it. I'm a little bit older than y'all. So, um, you know, I couldn't do it and I was just constantly in a state of fatigue. And so what was happening is that I started dropping down my strength, you know, strength training, CrossFit workouts, and then started increasing more of my swim bikes and runs because I'm trying to get to Kona. That's, that's my goal. Mm-hmm. So I can't be doing CrossFit five times a week to get to Kona. Yeah, that's that's what we basically came to for us as well, is we had to just drop the Metcons down. But mm-hmm. we, we grew up gym junkies, and it's hard for us to put the weights down, you know, too. And I so, understand. Yeah, we were still getting in there and doing the, Good. the major lifts and that sort of thing. 
Good. But what do you see, what kind of athletic backgrounds do you see that people come to the table with that help them the most? So, like, does CrossFit, would that help you prepare to be an Ironman versus, you know, a soccer player or whatever else? Or maybe it's just a well-rounded athlete. I don't know. Yeah. Good question. You know, you see a lot of swimmers do really well in the triathlon world, but you don't you don't win on the swim mm-hmm. for the triathlon. Um, I think just a, you know, that's just it. I think an overall well-rounded athlete. I think the my newest thing is is that strength training is the fountain of youth. It truly is, and I think we we all know that. Um, it's just getting into the gym and actually doing it. Like you said, if you guys are gym junkies, then you already know what, what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, I think an overall athlete, you know, not, not having too much strength and, you know, training and, and that type of thing, like not being too bulky, but then not being too thin. Like sometimes you see marathon runners that are just, there's nothing on them. You know, I always laugh at the picture. Um, it's like, you know, who's in better shape? It's like the skinny marathon guy and then this huge sprinter. You know, it's like you sit there and you're like, okay, there's probably a balance between it. And I honestly feel that that's what I do for my athletes. I give them that nice balance of a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. So we hear a lot talking about triathlons to friends and family and people we meet. Oh, I just don't think I could do the swim. Oh, I, I hate the water. Or isn't that the number one thing I think people say getting into it is like, how am I going to do the swim? What's What would be your your best advice for someone out there who dreads, who wants to do triathlon, okay. but is <laughs> yeah. doubting themselves on the swim? Go to a master swim group or find somebody that can teach you how to swim uh, comfortably and find uh, a coach in your area that can do private lessons really you know the thing is is that you know yes I do hear that a lot I had one guy this was years ago but he's like I hate swimming but I want to do an Ironman I'm like okay (laughs) and so I was like okay we're gonna go out to the lake and you're and I'm gonna swim next to you and I think I had a kickboard the whole time just so he could hold on to that you know hold on to the kickboard and we would go across the lake and back or we went to like a point back you know every single week and he did his Ironman how long did you that know? process take him over a year over a year yeah because yeah. we have a friend right now who was training with us for that cap text uh-huh. and he just has this anxiety about water and we we've tried to swim with him multiple times and um whenever the cap tech swim got canceled you know he's ecstatic yeah <laughs> but yeah but, exactly i mean we feel like the swim was one of the most enjoyable parts it's just so yeah. refreshing and being in that cooler water early in the morning like we loved it and we just want him to enjoy it too but it's such a, mm-hmm. a point of stress for him and we don't always know how to help him overcome that yeah i think um i really think getting with a specific swim coach in the local area will be the key for those athletes that are just horrified of the water and then find like a group of people that will go out to the lake with them you know and just just say nope you're not stopping if they have a really good mindset of you know getting into the gym going and biking and running um it's just that it's that fear factor that a lot of people have about the swim and I get that. I understand that. Um, 
I've never had that factor, but um, but I I know it's out there. So I do I do understand. Yeah. Well, even the open water can be a big deal for people versus just swimming yeah. in the pool. You know, because I know that sure. Lake are swimming in Lake Bryan and College Station, you can't even see your hand if it's right yeah. up next to your face underneath there. You know, yeah. so that's, that can be freaky for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, there were two races that I freaked out in the water, um, which is, I mean, I've done a lot of races. And the ironic thing, it's been the same lake. It's uh, in Lake Coeur d'Alene. Uh, and what got me each time I... I feel was the cold. Mm. It just was that absolute shock of cold water. And then you have 2000 of your closest friends piling on top of you as well. And so I panicked. And one time I, I looked up and I was like, okay, that buoy looks really far and the shoreline looks really far. Oh, boop! what am I going to do? And I sat there and I just, I just had to really concentrate and, um, and just sort of tell myself to HTFU and off I went. So, Do you kind yeah. of swim out away from the pack a little bit? Or do you <laughs> ride on that buoy line? Because I know if you ride on I that line. I ride on that buoy okay. line. Mm-hmm. Well, you're fast enough. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely think um, a tip for people is, is after doing the swims, get in the front on a corner. Because the, the middle front... Is, is pretty packed. I mean, anywhere behind the front is mm. packed. Mm-hmm. And I know for us, like in Galveston, it took us a while to, I mean, we never saw each other, obviously, in the water. Right. But it took a while to navigate your way, to have enough room to start really going. And so yeah. I think getting in the front corners is huge. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Either yeah. one of them. Yeah. But have you ever used the, uh, is it Finnis, the snorkel, What the training snorkel? Have you seen that? I have seen it. I have not used it. I haven't either. I just was wondering. I've, I've heard good I'm things not, about it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it, and I don't know how it would help. But, um, yeah, I'm, I just don't know enough about it to comment on it. Yeah, me either. Um, so let's get into a little bit of the strength aspect. I know you've stated it's very important. What? Mm-hmm. How do you approach? So you, you recommend the two days. Mm-hmm. Are you splitting those up into one's a strength day, one's more of a kind of hypertrophy day or endurance lift day? How, how do you approach those? So I usually do a five-week uh, strength program for the athletes. And so I build up their workouts. And actually, I have um, – I could send you guys the link, but I have sure. – an example of a five-week program that I would give a triathlete um, a workout. And the the program is a little bit more advanced athlete that is comfortable in the gym. So, for example, um, I will do, um, you know, the first three sets. Uh, I'm sorry, the first two weeks I will do, like, maybe a three-by-seven of back squats. And the next day maybe uh, Romanian deadlifts. But then um, I'll do, like, back squats and then I'll maybe have a gymnastics movement push-ups or pull-ups if you don't have a pull-up bar if you're not good at pull-ups then you do a band if you're not good if you don't have a band then you do lat pull-down machine like things like that so in the beginning is strength but then I have them build that strength so three by sevens four by sixes five by fives type of thing Um, and then usually after that I will give them a a high intensity workout or wad if you want to call it and it will be less than 12 minutes 
because here's what I have learned with uh, doing classes for triathletes um, is that your body, as triathletes, we swim, bike, and run over 15 minutes generally, I would say every day other than your day off, right? So for you to go in a gym and do another 20-minute wad, you're just doing that same routine over and over. So what I want my athletes to do is to get in that phosphagen level phase of that just going hard as nails um, and just learning how to push themselves. And, you know, that's interval work. You know, that's um, um, uh, interval work on the bike, on the run, and in the pool. But I love it in the gym. You know, it's I love EMOMs. EMOMs are fantastic every minute on the minute. Like you and, you know, maybe on the odds you do, you know, um, I don't know, five power cleans, you know, and then you have that rest. And then that next five, that next imam, you do burpees, you do 10 burpees, you know, but um, (laughs) I think we all like to puke on burpees. But um, but yeah, I think I think getting into the gym, having a strength program, but then also doing that high intensity for you know, under 12 minutes is going to be the key for athlete success. Yeah, it's just teaching you to continue to go, basically. Yeah. Um, but and I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you got it. Um, and I think sometimes what will happen is athletes will go in and it's like, oh, I got to do leg days, leg day. And they will do back squats, lunges, step ups. Um, and then they'll do abs. And then they'll be like, uh, I can't walk. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Like, you just trash your legs to go for that bike and run. I remember doing, um, do you know CrossFit workouts, Karen? Mm -hmm. I don't know which one's that. 150 wall balls for time. Oh. Yeah. So it was actually an open workout. It was for the CrossFit games. And I was like, I I can do it and train for a half Ironman at the same time. Yeah, not so smart. But I did, it was 100 double unders, and then you had to do 150 wall balls, and then um, then you had to do muscle-ups, which I don't have, but muscle-up attempts. So I got through the double unders, no problem. I got through the wall balls, and I didn't get to the muscle-ups. Well, then the next day, I had a 90-minute run. <laughs> My legs were trash. Ouch. I'm like, that was 150 squats. Mm-hmm. 150 squats. And I think that's what a lot of people will do when they go into the gym. They just hammer out the legs and then they can't walk. And then, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not going to go back to the gym. That just didn't work out. It's like, well. Yeah, you got to do it the right way. Yeah, you got to do it the right way. Yeah. Well, I know when we were in the gym and we're training for that 70.3 and we'll be back squatting. And people know that you're training for an Ironman. And they'll they'll look at you and be like, that's not going to help you. It's not going to help you out there. You know what? Yes, it will. What? Yeah. What's your answer to people? Why? Why do they need strength work when training for tries? They need strength work to support. Um, oh God! How can how can I explain this? To me, the strength is going to just hold that body together so much more and less injuries. Like you see, you know, you hear people say, "Well." If I, if I go and lift, I'm going to get injured. Well, if you run on a trail and you roll your ankle, you're going to get injured too. Like there's always that possibility of injury. But what I see when I see athletes, when I see triathlons, triathletes lift weight 
is that one, it's going to help them structurally. You know, two, it's going to help them with balance. Mm -hmm. Three, it's going to help them get up those, like, power up those hills on the bike, power up the hill on the run. Like, it's just that little bit of power that's going to help them in the long run. And do you typically recommend them lifting early in the day or late in the day? Where does it fall in that triathlon training? Yeah, so it depends on what their workout is for the day. So, for example, usually I will put them, I will put that weightlifting with a, either an, a swim or a bike, generally not with a run. And if, if, if the athlete wants to get the workout done in the, in the morning and then know that they have an easy swim later on that day, totally fine. If the bike is the priority that day, I would rather have you get the bike done. Like, let's say you're doing interval work. I'd rather have you get that bike bike workout done because that's going to be your priority. Recover and then do that do the lift later on that afternoon. Does that does that help? Yeah. No. We okay. and, and I was going to pass along. Jake and I experimented with a protocol that Mark Sisson uh, recommended, which was he would take athletes. And this was something he just recently started talking about that I guess he would use back in the day with some other – Mark Sisson was a big triathlon guy. Yeah. And he would take 80% of the one rep max, and he primarily apply it to back squat, but you mm-hmm. could apply it to major lifts, right? Probably except for deadlift. I don't really see the application there. But So it'd, say it would be, it'd be three sets at 80% of your one rep max, so you'd load the bar up. And mm-hmm. it would only be a 10-second rest. And hmm. Jake and I would just, you know, chalk it on the cement. Yeah. Three reps. So three, reps. three reps. Yeah. So it would be three reps, 10 seconds rest, three reps for as long as you could until you could only do two. Then you do two for as long uh, yeah. as you could. And then you'd only do once. You'd only do one rep one time once you got that low. Okay. And um, it was mainly for power output on the bike. Sure. And he would see huh. massive gains with power output in the legs. Um, on power meters, testing the athlete's yeah. strength. And so we applied it to bench press, weighted pull-ups, back squat, front squat, just your major big compound lifts. Yeah. And yeah. you could see it. We, we'd only do that once a week. That would be our main strength aspect for that body group once a week. And you could really see it week by week uh, increase on, on how many times you could do those reps of three, reps of two, and so on. And you never felt thrashed at all no yeah. it was and, and it took That's great it took six minutes you know seven minutes yeah total and um you look at that and how much weight and how much poundage you had lifted for that six minutes versus yeah. say just doing a five by three with a 90 sure. second rest you know yeah not only does that take 12 or 13 minutes but you're not even getting in that power aspect as much yeah so, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i've really noticed worked. uh too if i don't i do much better on more of the explosive aspects of coming out of the squat versus like taking my time going up. So I try not to go as heavy just because I do want that explosiveness Mm -hmm. for running and cycling, you know, and like what you were talking about, like, you know, the main lifts, you know, I think are important. One of my um, most popular blogs is top five um, strengths or top five exercises for triathletes in the gym. It's squats, Romanian deadlifts, push-ups, pull-ups, and then V-ups. But I think, you know, I think shoulder to overhead is great. Um, Whether it's a strict press, whether it's a push press, 
sometimes I think push jerks, you're using too much of your legs. So, I, you know, you really want to get that movement. You know, I'll be sitting in here putting together my athletes' workouts. I'll be like, okay, so we got a press. Now where's the pull? You know, or, you know, there's a squat. So I'm working the quad. So then the next day I need to work the hamstrings, like the posterior chain. And so I try to build that up. You know, I try to do full body two times a week, but with specific lifts in the, in the, in that week. Yeah. I love it. Training is huge, obviously, as we know, but I I do feel like the nutrition is the foundation pretty much. And so let's dive into a little bit. We can talk diet first and then actual, you know, race day nutrition. So what, what do you have your athletes um, diet wise follow? Well, I am not a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually I will send people to, um, to that aspects, you know, to a nutritionist for that. Um, but you know, I tell, tell the athletes, you know, okay, you know, slow down on the cookies, slow down on the donuts, you know, that type of thing. Every time you go do a workout doesn't mean you can reinforce yourself with a donut, (laughs) you know, things like that. Like I just, and for me, I, I am a big advocate of the, of counting my macros. Um, and that has helped me so much. Because what I realized with the counting of my macros was that I was getting specific quality food. And if I wanted a glass of wine, well, I could either eat more or have the glass of wine. So I'd be like, well, no, my body needs to eat more versus the empty calories, you know, of not getting much nutrition in me type of thing. So I'm a big, so I will concentrate and tell my athletes. If you are interested in looking at nutrition as a whole, you know, here's my nutritionist that does uh, the counting the macros. I have a couple other friends in San Antonio that will, you know, help them out as well. So, um, and, but that's the thing, like, you know, I'll be sitting there eating a, I don't know, a flour tortilla and people are like, what, you're eating flour? Like, it's like, yeah, my body needs it. Like, but according to my macros, I can eat it. It's okay. Like, I'm not going to die by eating it. And I think that's what a lot of people think that, oh, you have to be clean. You have to eat healthy. Well, yeah, but you also have to enjoy life. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're huge advocates of counting the macros versus just the calories because we know all calories aren't equal, obviously. Right. And it's kind of sad. I think what you're saying about is you're slowing down on the cookies and donuts and it's just the, the sign of the age we live in. People feel like, oh, well, I did all this work. I deserve it. You know, yeah. I deserve that cupcake. I deserve that donut. I deserve that, you know, sugar-filled protein shake after my workouts. When it's right. like, uh, you kind of just ruined all that work you just put in. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because after I do an Ironman, I, um, after Ironman Texas, I wanted to go up to Austin and get a voodoo donut. I mean, because I just, and I kept craving a donut all stinking, like, for two months. I kept thinking, voodoo donut, voodoo donut. And I I never got up there. Um, And so I I think I went to a local, you know, donut shop here, and I was like, oh, that was disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't even good. Yeah, voodoo is something special. And after race days and big days like that, don't let us fool you. I mean, we'll we'll still go treat ourselves after big days like that. I mean, yeah, you deserve it at that point once the training's put in. But you can't do that on an everyday basis after your training. Yeah. 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 What yeah, kind usually of, I, Oh, go ahead. Oh, after my long runs, I crave a burger. 
So I will go to Five Guys and get a hmm. burger with lettuce, but it's lettuce, no bun. Yeah. And then I'll be like, they're like, you want the fries? I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. Yes, I do. You know, yeah. but if I eat too many fries, you know, that they're, like you said, I just ruin it all. But I do try, I do crave those burgers. Do you track with something like MyFitnessPal or a certain app? Yeah, I sure do. MyFitnessPal is great. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I think I upgraded it or whatever to get the macros, specific macros, yeah. Is there a certain uh, fueling you recommend during the race? I know Jake and I are big advocates of high fat. Mm-hmm. And so we try to maintain that even into the race. Um, yeah. So we don't fuel a lot with the the gels and the car- carbohydrate-based uh, drinks. Yeah. What's your what's your take on that? What's kind of your recommendation for athletes? And obviously tr- train with what you're going to race of course as well on the nutrition. So this is what I tell everybody is that you got to figure out what works for you. What works for me may not work for you guys, vice versa. Um, I have tried, you name it, I've done Hammer products, I've done Infinite, I've done Generation You Can, I've done um, Power Bars, even Power Bars stuck to my bike stem. Mm. Back in the days, you know, I had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I have a friend that does PB&J and Fritos, wow. you know. Um, I've had friends that do tacos, like wow. bean and cheese tacos. Yeah, it's crazy. On race but, day. On race day. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to burn it all, I guess, but yeah, but how like, clean is it burning? Yeah. So, like I said, you have to figure out what works for you. With training, with racing like that, I don't need people to replenish. I don't need them to replace their calories. I need to replenish. So, for example, um, like your glycogen levels are high. You know, maybe you had a good dinner the night before or whatever. So you go into the race. They're going to start dropping down. Like maybe, like think about um, a gas tank in, in a car. Um, so, like you're at the halfway mark. You know, do you fill it with? Um, um, you know, gels, sure, you can. It will go back up to, you know, full, but then within 20, 30 minutes, or maybe 30, 40 minutes, it's going to go back down past halfway again, you know? It's that keep going back and forth. Um, I have done Generation You Can, um, and that is a, that's a totally different beast. That's teaching you how to use your fat um, storages, probably like what you guys are doing, um, so you don't need as many calories. I've done halves with Generation You Can, and I love it. I've done fulls with Generation You Can, and I've completely bonked. Mm. Um, I didn't have, you know, I needed that little bit of sugar. Um, but currently, right now, I use something called EFS Pro. Um, one scoop is 40 calories, and it's a high-calorie-based uh, liquid f- fuel. Um, and, you know, each bottle... Um, bigger bottle than that but each bottle is usually about 220 calories for me and I take it in every hour on the hour usually yeah we use a starch um, in our one of our products our post-workout product called uh, it's called rally but the carb in there is essentially the same thing as generation you can ah, so it allows you to burn good. free fatty acids yep and um, we also we played around we have some ideas for a for a triathlon specific product we uh, cool. we'll get into it on the air here but We'll definitely talk to you about it. Uh, yeah, there. yeah. It's just because following the, the high fat diets like we do, that's what our bodies are used to burning, and so you yes. don't want to switch. 
come no. game day. Yeah, and we had pre-made our, this fuel, this experimental fuel that we had been playing with for a ah. while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll preface that with, if you are following a high-fat diet and whatnot, make sure that you, you bring the stuff to the race that, that you yes. need because yeah. what's, what's on there on the course isn't always going to be, it's not the same in every race for one, and then it's, it might not be what you need. So Correct. And I know, like, I, I have friends and athletes that will still do Generation You Can. I was actually just talking to the Generation You Can rep uh, on, on Friday, and he said to me, he goes, he goes, that's the thing. He goes, after four hours of doing an Ironman, or I'm sorry, four hours maybe doing a marathon, you're going to need that little, maybe that little bit of sugar. Yeah. And so what I have done when I was doing Generation You Can you are going to need that sugar. I would take flat Coke and I'd swish it around in my mouth and then spit it out because mm. I would be afraid to swallow it because I don't yeah. know what it would affect with my GI issues. When I was doing Generation You Can, and that now acidity. I just drink the stuff. Yeah. yeah, but it's that sugar. We have some ideas for you that we, we played around. We'll, we'll definitely share them with you because your brain does great. need a little bit of that glucose hit uh, yep. while racing. So, yeah, if you are already following like the high-fat kind of protocol – just know that you do need a little glucose when training yeah. on race day. Yeah. Yeah, I know because we got out there and weren't 100% prepared, and um, it led to me having some GI issues out there on the course, which yeah. is not fun. Ha- ha- not fun. Yeah. How? I mean, how do you deal with that or, or your clients that do? That um, rate, that cramping. Yeah. 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 Cramping, or I think it was those gels that really upset my stomach, too. Yes. Um, because I was just trying to get in whatever at that point to help out. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we were shortened by a whole, what we had planned to have at the end of the bike, we only had at the beginning of the bike, if that makes sense. Okay. So to yep, kind of towards sure the end, we were relying on a couple things, plus, hey, I'm going to you know try to take in one of these gels, which there are some that are uh, better than others. But Yeah, yeah. I um, Something that my coach and I wor- have worked on a lot is the, has been the GI issues, but what I have dealt with is he suggested that I go on uh, a low residue diet for like two or three days beforehand hmm. or is it yeah it's residue but it's like no fiber like nada it's like it's so plain like everything that I would normally eat berries salad like all the good carbohydrates right I would not eat so I ate rice chicken eggs um, melon <laughs> it was so just but honestly like Ironman Florida uh, last year I PR'd you know I ran under four hours on the marathon um, after a swim and a bike you know and I didn't have any GI issues um, I think a lot you know I will so I'll talk to my athletes about okay let's look at your eating habits prior to prior to the race and then what are you taking during the race? And if, if, if it's affecting you in training, then you got to change that ASAP. You know, um, if an athlete does have GI issues on the run or on the, on the race, guess what? Go to the bathroom, get it done with, get out of there. Yep. Don't be baking a cake in there, you know? <laughs> So Are there it, any it, recommendations you have for athletes keeping on muscle during training? Do you ever do you ever get that like oh I'm, I feel like I'm losing weight too much or I'm I'm kind of withering away? Yeah, um, I do. You know, 
once again, it's going back to that whole specificity, that exercise physiology. You know, if you are starting to swim, bike, and run more, then yeah, muscle's going to come off a little bit. So what do I suggest? Still try to get in the, into the gym. You know, you may not be lifting as much, lifting as heavy, but getting closer to that race, it's okay if you lose a little bit of that muscle mass because it's going to be a little bit easier to swim, bike, and run. Now, once you're all trained up, you got the nutrition dialed in and everything else, what's been like the smallest change for you that's made the biggest difference, such as, you know, like an aero helmet or, um, you know, a different kind of a bike, whatever it might be? What are those small changes that people can make that will go a long way? Mm. Race wheels. Mm. And um, Yeah, let's get geeked out on equipment here for a little <laughs> bit. So I know Jake and, and then, I need some, some advice there. And then, um, like, race wheels, like, figure out, um, like, head wheels are fantastic, zip wheels, those, if you could spend the money on wheels, that's going to help you tremendously. If you are very serious about getting ready to do an Ironman, I highly recommend a power meter, 100%. And I would, I would say a power meter over those wheels. Um, but... And that just attaches to the pedal, right? <clears throat> Well, there's a couple different power meters. Um, you got the one that you could attach to the hub of the wheel. It could attach to the, the crank, and then it could attach. There's another one that will attach to the pedals. Um, there's a whole bunch of different power meters out there. The one that we used is attached to the cranks, um, and they they um, they get both the legs. Versus the one on the pedal will just get one 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 leg. Is there a brand you recommend? For that? Yes, Quark. Q U A R Q. And it's and it's the most expensive one, but it's the most reputable one that I see. Because I think uh, I use Polar products. I don't have uh-huh. the power meter, but I um, I was looking at their bike monitor, but they're I, I think that they have the one you're I talking about have, where it's only you may only yep. get one reading. I think on, so on too. Leg, yeah, I think yeah. I don't know how accurate those are, you know, but Quark has been around for quite some time. I know there's another one that's out there that um, I think is still being, like, questioned, because even sometimes I'll look at somebody's data that has that the one, and I'm like, oh, is that accurate? You know, things like that. So, um, but I, I am a big advocate of Quark. And I'm not sponsored by them. <laughs> now, I know in Galveston, it was pretty windy, of course, right there on the coast. Did you still use the, the race wheels that day and the, the full rims? Is that sure did. Mm-hmm. give you any problems at all? No, no, it actually helps. Okay. Yeah. You know, I and mean, that's on both gonna, wheels or just the back? Or? The back. The back is going to be the full, full race, you know, mm-hmm. full um, disc wheel. And then the front will be, I don't know, I'm so bad on equipment-wise, yeah. but my husband's my equipment manager <laughs> um a little bit thicker wheels but obviously not um you know a disc because you can't have that but um but yeah with that wind it's actually with having a disc it's actually better because that wind isn't going through that it's going around the bike you know mm, makes sense. um but yeah it's um it's a big difference it really is yeah any specific equipment you recommend on the swim you know, jake and i use uh the blue 70 wetsuits been happy with those or even how important is a swim skin because i mean we're getting Mm. into that time of year where people you know wetsuits aren't going to be legal 
Yeah, and, um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of swim skins. I think they're good. I think what happens is that, you know, it depends on what you're racing. And if you're racing in, in a tri-top and a tri-bottom, but then you're able to plug all of that, like compress it, that's just only going to help you a little bit more, you know, sleeker type of thing. Um, I am sponsored by Roca Sports, and I love, I have tried on so many wetsuits in my lifetime, and that Roca wetsuit that I had for um, Galveston didn't even feel like I had a wetsuit on. And so I actually, uh, my goal, I think, because I'm going to Lubbock this weekend, woohoo! Um, <laughs> I'm but sorry. I'll be doing this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll be doing the sprint, but my husband's going to be doing the half. But I actually want him to film me putting on my wetsuit, and um, I could actually put the wetsuit on in under ninety seconds. Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah. That's so, really cool. But yeah, I want to do the video for you guys and saying, "Hey, yeah, how to put a wetsuit in on in ninety under ninety seconds?" Yeah, we'll so, thanks for that. How about yeah. transition times? Any tips for transition? Ooh, don't bake a cake in there. Like you don't need to change your socks out. You don't. And it, well, let, let's let's go back to that. If you're doing a sprint, if you're doing Olympic, if you're doing a half. You are not able to change, right? You have to stay in that everything that you're doing, um, everything that you're wearing, right? Um, so the transitions, like you know, practice it. That's what you have to do. It's like you get out of the pool, have your bike set up. You know, put on your shoes, helmet, glasses. You know, take off. You don't need to a big towel to lay everything out, and then you got all your stuff aligned. It's like I, I'll usually take a little hand towel. There's my towel. I don't even dry off. I don't even dry off my feet anymore. Um, I mean, I, I've seen pros go under a minute on some transitions. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, for sprints, halves. I'm sorry, sprints, Olympics, and half. You can't change for fulls. You can change. So if people are doing an Ironman and they want to swim in a swimsuit, especially if it's their first Ironman, they want to swim in a swimsuit and they want to go in and change into cycling gear. And then on their run, they want to change into running gear. By all means, take the time and do it. It's, you know, be comfortable. It's a long day not to be comfortable. Yeah. For an Ironman. How close are you to qualifying for Kona? How close have you come? Oh man. Um, let's see. I guess last year in Florida I was seventh in my age group, but it only rolled down to three slots. Um a few it was uh was it uh two thousand and four? It was sort of like a weird thing, but I got ninth no, I got seventh in my age group and it rolled down to six. Jeez, wow. Yeah. How many shots um, uh, added do you get a year? Well, as many Ironmans as I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have done um, three Ironmans in nine months, and uh, I'm a little tired. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I'm really missing some gym time. I've gotten back into the gym again, and, you know, the first day back, and the next day it's like, uh, the second day is like, oh, mother of pearl. <laughs> My ego got in the way, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I can do 85 pounds of back squats, you know, 10 by 3. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that, that wasn't smart. But, um, but, yeah, you know, the thing is, is I'm in the 45 to 49 age group. These ladies are fast. I pretty much have to be in the top five. But so if I wanted to, I could have gone and done Ironman Coeur d'Alene this year. 
I could go and do Florida. I could do Arizona. You know, I can do all these races to get ready to try to qualify. But what I came to realize after Ironman Texas was that I was chasing the dream the wrong way was I was chasing slots. Like, so I signed up for Ironman Texas. It's like, oh, there's going to be four slots there. No problem. You know, I'll be in the top five. I can be in the top five. Well, everybody, every other buddy, everybody else thought that same thing. You know, um, I thought, okay, I could go to Ironman Coeur d'Alene this year and try to, you know, try to qualify for this year. But then if I don't qualify, will I go to Kona with my husband who qualified and be grumpy because I didn't qualify because I'm not racing. So what I realized was that I need to just trust in the process and trust in my training, trust in my coach, and it will come. So I need to stop chasing uh, numbers and people and start chasing my better self. Yeah, I love it. Good advice for everybody. So how Mm -hmm. long have you been doing the coaching thing? I've been coaching... Since 2001, I got I got certified with USA Triathlon. Um, but I say seriously, the last four years, mm-hmm. um, and really, you know, I I quit uh, I quit a, jo- a job that I it was my dream job. I worked at SeaWorld for many years. Um, that's why I'm good at getting in a wetsuit. Uh, but I was an animal trainer for years, and so I I left there in oh. Oh nine, I left oh, there in oh nine. We need to do another um, podcast about the the blackfish documentary. Oh then. boy, right? <laughs> I'm, I, I'll come at you with my fist up. Yeah, yeah that could be another Our conversation another time. Every story. Oh, I know it. It, it was a very um, one sided documentary very for sure, and, and I know that, but it just it's intriguing, is all. It yeah. is intriguing. So, yeah. yeah, sorry to get I, you derailed uh, there. No, 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 and. And it, it's funny because I don't say that a lot because of that. But you know, if they if people want to talk to me about it, yeah, come on, bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I left my career after 14 years in the marine mammal field and uh, went back to school and got my master's um, in kinesiology with an emphasis in exercise science because what I realized is I was coaching all these people, but I was like, what is actually going on in that body? And that really taught me so much and gave me so much more confidence to become a coach. Um, and now I, you know, coach athletes to get through a, a finisher line with us with a smile on their face, and I love it. I love it. So, so how can people go about um, getting personal coaching from you? Well, they could go to my website at jenruwan.com. <laughs> Um, and you could follow me on all social medias, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat. My gosh, they're all out there, right? But, yeah. but no, yeah, um, you know, reach out to me, Jen at JenRulon.com. Shoot me an email. Say, hey, you know, I heard you from um, the podcast uh, with these guys and, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. I, you know, just shoot me an email. I, I'd be happy to, to chat with them, to people to people more so um i will tell people up front i am not cheap yeah. um but i will get the job done and i'll make sure you get the job done because that's the type of coach i am i'm i am a non-excuse person i don't you know i had one athlete um who signed up for ironman vine man and she wasn't getting the work done 
But the great thing is, is that she realized it and she acknowledged it. And she goes, you know what, Jen, I need to bail on this race because I need to spend time with my family. I need to take care of my my people. And I'm like, much respect. Because what I like to teach athletes is that if you feel that it's not going well for you or things are not happening the way that they should, um, doing an Ironman is very hard on the body, the mind, the bank account. Um, and so if, if you're not fully into it 100%, it's okay to bail. It's fine. So One thing I loved about your philosophy is that you try to get your athletes to a point where they don't need you and your coaching anymore. Yes. And that's, that's amazing. That's uh, like you're basically trying to put yourself out of business in a way, right? I am. So yeah. where did that come from? How did you come to that? Um, I think... I think what happened was that I'm just, I love to educate. I love to teach people that you could do this on your own as well. I mean, granted, I, I am, I do not coach myself. I, I, you know, I'll just move things around because I know I can. Oh, I don't want to do that. You know, repeats of 800s. That, that sucks. Why would I want to do that? You know? Um, but yeah, I, I think what I've realized with, um, athletes is that, I want to educate you and guide you to be a better athlete and a better you. Um, and if you're able to do that on your own, then by all means, go for it. More power to you. Yeah, and you're right. I probably do put myself out of business for that reason and why I'm always looking for clients. But, but, but my heart is filled by helping those people that I did. Yeah, that's great. And I have a lot of athletes that have done Ironmans with me that who are no longer, you know, doing Ironmans and they're just, they're good. They're, they've done their thing. They've won and done or, you know, life gets in the way. Family becomes, you know, the priority. And by all means, I, I love it. I'm okay with that. Hmm. All right, Jen. Well, awesome. Well, where can people find out more about you? I know we will link to all the social media outlets, but uh, any any final words? Find your why behind doing a triathlon or a race or anything that you do in life because if you don't know the reason behind what you're doing then it's hard to wake up in the morning to go do that um so that's my final thought we'll Love leave it. you with that awesome well thanks for joining us jen we'll do yeah, it again thanks, jen. thank you thanks guys appreciate it We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Two Fit Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Two Fit USA, the sports nutrition company owned and operated by the Two Fit Guys. To show our appreciation for you tuning into the podcast, we would like to give you a 10% off your entire order at TwoFitUSA.com. All of our products.